Welcome back to the big program. Time now for On the Mark, fueled by Booster Juice. Download the new Booster Juice Rewards app today to start earning berry points for delicious and nutritious smoothies, drinks, and food that will get you through the day as we welcome in Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet in Vancouver. First, Beck, i got to just read this text from Northside Norm. goes like this. At the season holder open practice last Monday, I saw Spectre running up the stairs in the lower bowl. He put in more effort than the Oilers did after the first Vancouver last night. Northside Norm. How do you like that, Spec? <laughs> Inaccurate, but nice to hear. <laughs> How about that? Oh, I don't know. I've seen you go up those stairs, man. Yeah. You look like Gizmo back at Commonwealth Stadium. No, I think the mistake people make is that that and I've made it is you think they're not trying or they don't want to mm-hmm. win or they look, you know, they don't care. All these guys want to win and they're, you think you don't like watching them play? Oof. How do you think they like watching themselves play? You know, not very much right now. Not very much at all right now. So last night in the big picture, big broad brush, what did you think of the game? Well, it's all, it's goaltending right now. It's goaltending. Like we can think of other things that happened after Stu Skinner lets in that P.S. Suter goal from mm-hmm. 25 feet out, 20, 20 feet out, whatever it is. But you shoot the other team 19-2, to two, right, in the first, what was it, maybe the first 11 minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. Demko makes five or six saves that are unbelievable, but that's okay. You're up one nothing. DRNA bats one in his own net. That's That just happens. I'm not blaming anybody. He's trying to make a quick play and deflect mm-hmm. a pass. It goes in. That's just bad luck. So it's one one. You go okay. You know what? We've outplayed the hell out of them. It's one one. We're still we're still the better team on the ice here. Let's go. Let's win a game. Suck it up and win a game. And then Pia Suter walks down the slot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Oilers give up way too many rush goals. That's a problem. But the save that Skinner didn't make on that shot, Demko had already made five or six saves. Way tougher than that save. Like, way tougher, mm-hmm. better chances, harder save. Demko kept his team in it. And it comes suitors. Now, all of a sudden, the shots are 19-4, and you're losing 2-1. And the orders were never the same team since. The The goaltending here, it's it's done. Campbell can't play. Skinner may be able to play one day at this level, but he's not there yet. And as I wrote today in my piece, his trajectory doesn't match this team's trajectory. He's in his second year, and he's figuring it out. This team's supposed to have it figured out. They cannot win with these goalies. Full stop. It's over for this tandem. And unless Kenny Holland can find another one, which has happened once since 1999, before December 1st, uh, they're done. They can't play with these two goalies. They're not good enough, period. So let me throw this one at you, Spec. How far is Bakersfield from San Jose for Thursday night and calling up Cal Pickard? Yeah, Cal Pickard ain't going to win for you, pal. Okay, I'm just Good hey, kid, minor league goalie. Is he better than what the Oilers have right now? I don't know. Yeah, maybe in a Disney movie, Cal Pickard comes in. <laughs> hey, well, what you just said, you can't win with these two guys right now. There's not a trade yeah. happening in the next two days. Wait. I'm not telling you that it's I'm not telling you that you can't do that. Mm-hmm. But if you're telling me that that Cal Pickard's the answer, uh I got a hundred dollar bill that says he's not. How about that? Okay. Let's uh, get to your your <laughs> prop term. I'm, I'm just he saying win a game for you. Well he's not gonna get you the playoffs. I'm I'm just throwing it out there. What what yeah. other options are there? 
None, right? So in the history of the National Hockey League, or the recent history, uh, Sportsnet stats looked up for me last last mm-hmm. night. Prior to December 1st, goalies that have been acquired that are, that we would all consider to be a number one goalie, not not a Cal Pickard or not a backup, but a guy that's a number one that went from one team to another, it's happened once since 1999. Arizona picked up Sean Burke from Florida on December prior to December 1st, November something, 1999. It hasn't happened that a, you, nobody got a number one goalie yet this okay. century before December 1st. Let me ask you this one then, Spec. Last year, did you think where did you have Aiden Hill ranked in the Vegas depth chart in goaltending? Oh yeah, hey, that's a fair question. That's where that's I'm saying with question. Cal Pickard then. <laughs> like I mean, what do we what are we at here? What's left? Are you I mean, hey, you you uh, just said we can't win with these two guys right now. What's I left? Agree. Okay, yeah. I mean, uh, I guess I'm answering a different question, mm-hmm. and I apologize. No, uh, if you're telling me that it's Cal Pickard, can it hurt? <laughs> To bring him up and send Campbell down, not a bit. It mm-hmm. cannot hurt. He can't play. You know, he can't give you less of a chance to win a hockey game than Jack Campbell gives you. No. So sure, call him up. But the question I'm answering is: Do you think that if you install a guy that's a career minor league goalie, that he's going to turn into, you know, that we're playing the Mighty Ducks movie here, <laughs> and he's going to get you to the playoffs? And I'm here to tell you. If it happens, I'll eat my hat. How about that? <laughs> okay. Well, the Duke is really hot because he's an Anaheim Ducks fan, so he really believes that movie. He he thinks that's real I life. Nothing against Cal Pickard. He's yeah. a nice guy. I met him. He's, yeah. he's a hardworking minor league goalie. God bless him. I'd love to see him get a chance. Aaron texts in, Phoenix Copley saved L.A.'s season last year. It can happen. Haas, this is what I wanted to get with you next spec about last night in the Post-game media availability. Haas says, good on Spectre for not asking Jay Woodcroft softball questions like every other reporter and holding him accountable last night during his interviews. Woodcroft looked frustrated because he had no answers for any of Mark's questions. I think the one you're talking about would be the big one with Evan Bouchard. Yeah, I guess so, eh? So um, run us down that. Maybe some people didn't get a chance to listen to it, look at it last night. Run, and down, run us down what you kind of what your angle was there. Yeah, well, I thought the there's two huge goals in the hockey game last night. It's the second goal of the game by Suter that that's all on the goaltender and partially, I suppose, on whoever creates that three two rush. But whatever. Um, and then I thought, you know, Edmonton fights back. They're down three two, right? They get that goal that Drysaddle scores when Demko, you know, whatever gets knocked over. Um, and they're in a hockey game. They're on the road. It's three two. It's in the second period. You're still in a good game here. And Evan Bouchard decides to make a pinch at the blue line, mm-hmm. which was an ill-advised pinch. He wasn't going to get to that puck. And then he he hustles back, but then about three strides short, he stops skating. Yeah. And his guy, uh, who was um, not Kuzmenko, Ho- but... Hoaglander. Hoaglander, thank you. Hoaglander is the guy who scores. He's the only... Drysaddle hustled back to, to eliminate mm-hmm. his check. And Bouchard didn't hustle back. His guy's open. He scores a goal. It's 4-2. You never get close again. Uh, if you know Jay Woodcroft talks a lot about accountability, I said to him, you always use the word accountability, but that guy didn't miss a shift, and he's been doing it all season long. And he didn't really have an answer because Jay's not the kind of guy to, to cut into his own players in the media. He doesn't do it. You know, as a mm-hmm. fan or a media guy, I think at some point you got to start but that's Jay Woodcroft. He doesn't do it, and he wouldn't take a shot at Bouchard. I took a shot at him. Mm-hmm. That's a that was an awful play. We've seen Bouchard do it many times this season. 
Uh, I sometimes question, you know, I, I absolutely question the work ethic of a guy and the mental capacity as a defenseman who makes that pinch and then doesn't hustle back on it. Uh, that guy sits in the bench the rest of the period. Talk at bench JT Miller this year, one of his best players for a period or half of a period, and it turned their team around. They haven't lost since, I don't think. Woodcroft doesn't bench his guys. When he uses the word accountability, Kevin Carrius, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, he's not walking the walk. Mark Spector, Rogers Sportsnet, on the mark for Booster Juice on the Kevin Carey Show Sports 1440. We had Sean Brown on earlier, Spec, and we discussed the fact that, and you saw it firsthand, Connor McDavid was involved in a couple of scrums. There wasn't a whole lot more. Zach Hyman, yes, he came in with JT Miller. There was delayed reaction. Could have been a lot more. Could have been a lot more feistiness even after the next shift. What did you make of that kind of pushback where some guy said last night we thought we had some fight in us but it wasn't enough so where did you see that angle well i see that angle like it's you we all grew up with a different kind of Mm -hmm. game you know if anyone like first of all let's let's make this clear and i admire Connor mcdavid for this he started this thing right he was going at it with miller in front Mm -hmm. of the net and they gave each other a few good shots and Giuseppe walked in to try to, you know, and then and then Hyman did what he's supposed to do. He jumped in. All of that's awesome. That's what's supposed to happen. I got no problem with any of it. But in the old days when Gretzky did that, the next shift, mm-hmm. who came over the boards, right? A whole bunch of guys who fight all the time. We don't we don't do that now. It's not the well, same. Well, I'm not saying you got to fight, but you, you, I mean, you got to let the other that. team know you're there. I know, but it's just I'm I agree. I wish that someone would have, you know, gone straight after Miller, Kuzmenko, Mikhaev, uh, Quinn Hughes, somebody, uh, Pedersen. Like, that's how, you know, but I grew up on that hockey. That hockey doesn't exist anymore. Sean Brown, let let it go, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm here to tell you, I, I'm sad about it too, that it doesn't exist anymore. You know, I wish a lot of things still existed, including – you know, seventy-five cent a liter gas and a case of a case of beer for twelve bucks. <laughs> but guess what? It's, it it doesn't exist. People don't play that way now. It's just the way it is. So where does this team go forward now? So San Jose on Thursday. I mean, if you don't win that game, and how much do you think Jay Woodcroft? Sort of, I'm kind of putting a couple questions here together, but. If the Oilers somehow lose to San Jose, I mean, where are we then? Is Jay Woodcroft gone, or what, where are we at here? Well, it's a good question because, you know, you've got a – and let's talk about Jay Woodcroft's job. Like, yeah. he's not coached a good – he's not had a good season. He's made a lot of mistakes. I don't, li- I don't like his accountability this year. We're in tough times. He's not coaching like a tough coach, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, as this is just personally, as a guy who's watched hockey for a long time, I'd like to see a coach with way more presence. I'd like to see a coach – whose words have some weight when he's talking through the media to the fans. I don't ever hear him say anything that makes me think. I know he cares. Of course he cares. And I know he's smart. Of course he's smart. Mm -hmm. But I'd like to see a guy that gets a little pissed off once in a while. I don't see that. Sure, he got kicked out of the game because he yelled at the ref. Big deal. (laughs) Game was over. Um, You know, hooray. So, uh, you know, you got to – I mean, you kind of got a lame duck GM here. Yes. Ken Holland's at the end of his contract, and there's a new president in town. You know, can he, I ask I don't, you? I, can I right? just? I want to. Sorry to interrupt, yeah. Becca. Can I ask you? Yeah. So, like, with Jeff Jackson coming in here, 
like, is there a time right now where we need to hear from him? Does he need to be, say something? I mean, you just said it. It's a lame duck nope. GM. He doesn't know if he's going to, I assume Ken Holland knows what he's going to do, but I, everyone thinks that he's not going to be back next year. Do we need to hear from Jeff Jackson right now? Yeah, maybe pretty soon. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, listen, I'd like to hear from him on my phone the minute I hang up from you. Yeah. But I don't think that Jeff Jackson, what I do know of him, I don't think we're going to hear from him for a while. I think he'll keep out of it. This isn't a time for the president of a hockey team to start, you know, wagging his finger at people, right? Not in a good organization. I don't think it is. So, yeah, but but he's the guy. Like, this is his team. You know, Holland built it. Uh, and I don't, you know, I think Holland's at the point at the end of his deal. I would say to you, and, and not based on performance, I would have told you this at the start of the year, I think Holland, this is his last year. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think he'll be hiring the next coach. I think that that Jeff Jackson will be hiring the next coach and GM. If there is a new coach to be hired, I'm not firing Woodcroft, but I think the decisions rest with the president on this team more than the general manager, which is a little bit rare, but I think that's how it is in Edmonton right now. Speck, enjoy your day in Vancouver. Day off for the Oilers today. Mm-hmm. Back to practice tomorrow in Vancouver, then off to San Jose. That's what your schedule is? That's the schedule. And then they get, what, Thursday night in San Jose? and Saturday in Seattle. You know, so remember, you're going into play. I know it's San Jose and they're bad. <laughs> They've also lost two games by giving up 10 goals. Like, do you think that there's a more motivated team? on the face of the earth than that. They got spanked twice in a row, historically speaking. And Mike you know? Greer addressed the team in a one-way conversation. Oh, did he? Yes. So Mike Greer went in and it was his conversation. It wasn't anyone else's conversation. Good for Mike Greer. So, right? of Good course, the Mike GM Greer. there, former Oiler, the GM now. So there's a big fire under that team. And and, and, and you, you yeah, got to get, yeah. get saves. You just oh. got there. You can't hemorrhage two-on-ones and three-on-twos the way the Oilers do if your goaltending's this bad. If mm-hmm. you got Demko, we wouldn't be talking about goals off the rush because some of them would have got saved, right? But the Oilers give up goals off the rush, like the hemorrhage goals off the rush, and they never get a save. It's an awful combination, mm-hmm. Kevin, and it is murder in this team this year. Yeah. Speck, thanks for this. Enjoy your day in Vancouver to, today and tomorrow, and then uh, we'll talk to you in the morning tomorrow. Okay, thanks, Kev. All right, that's Mark Spector, Rogers Sportsnet on the mark. Energized by Booster Juice, you can get the boost you need at Booster Juice. When we come back, we go from the uh, frying pan right into the fire with Frank Saravalli. I'm sure he'll have some good takes on the Oilers situation and some other musings from around the National Hockey League that's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Speaking of Philadelphia freedom, the Flyers are in San Jose tonight. Could you imagine the repercussions? What happens? Is it even good that the Flyers win the game, maybe? Or is it bad that they win? Is it better that San Jose gets off the schneid tonight, Duke, you think? 100% it's better if the Sharks win tonight (laughs) and do not come in winless against this reeling Oilers team. Okay. I don't know if it matters. Our headliner of the day brought to you by Mr. Rooter. At Mr. Rooter, they only employ the finest organic grain-fed free-range plumbers for all your plumbing needs. Go to mrrooter.ca as we welcome in Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff. Morning, Frank. I don't know about you guys, but I was all over Sharks over six and a half tonight. (laughs) I mean, Sharks, Flyers, like the Flyers don't have Carter Hart. Uh, 
I mean, what could go wrong for a team that's given up 10, 10. in back-to-back games? Yeah, that's a good bet. I bet Duke puts that on one of his 27 parlays that he does tonight. <laughs> and they're flirting with history, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they lose tonight, they will be the first team in the NHL's modern era to go 12 straight games without a win to start the season. The record overall is 15, but you have to go back to Chicago. 1944. I think it's the Rangers, okay. 1943-44, to get to 15. So they're already they're already uh, flirting with history. And we're, we didn't even talk about the Washington Capitals in the mid-'70s, Frank. Well, that was a whole different thing. <laughs> the, the, there's some amazing stories from that team hoisting a garbage can on the ice like it's a Stanley <laughs> Cup when they finally got their win. So, I mean, I guess we kind of maybe have to have some sort of, I don't know, a little bit of comedy here. I mean, as, as bad as San Jose, the Sharks are, the Oilers are only four points ahead of them. That's how bad it is here, Frank. And the Oilers' goaltending is worse. Worse. That Which is hard to fathom. Again, a team that has given up 10 goals in back-to-back games, mm-hmm. their goaltending is better this season than the Edmonton than the Oilers. Goal and that, <laughs> that part, I think, to me, is you watch the Oilers self-destruct on Monday night in mm-hmm. Van. It was they had a perfect start. It's it's amazing that they didn't get more past Demko, but he's been maybe arguably the best goalie in the league so far this season. And I I was saying to myself, I, I'm not kidding. Forty five seconds. I'm sitting on my couch watching the game. Forty five seconds before the Canucks scored their first goal, I was like, man, they're only up one nothing. What mm-hmm. happens if they give up a goal here? And then they do, and they fold like a cheap 10. And I, I just, I, it was amazing to watch a team self-destruct after everything that they could possibly do right, they did. And they let in one goal, and they can't get out of their own way after that. I think, Frank, a lot of it is the way they get scored on. The second goal... Basically, you know, on the rush again, but very poor defensive zone coverage coming back. The third goal, that's a power play goal, but again, it's off the face-off loss. Bang, it's in your net eight seconds. The fourth goal, you're still in the game at 3-2. There's tons, you know, you have a period plus to play. And Evan Bouchard makes the mistake and then doesn't come back hard enough. To me, that goal is almost like a microcosm of the year where it's the lack of awareness, lack of recognition, lack of many things, effort, and as you say, they can't get out of their own way and the team is so fragile right now, they mm-hmm. don't have the ability to shake things off. But so, fragile from top to bottom. You see everywhere. the coach getting tossed and he's the one that's supposed to be... I talked about him in the preseason. I felt like he might be a Zen master. <laughs> Even he looks exasperated and is losing it. And when it comes from the top down, that part is hard to fathom. I mean... You, you said the fourth goal, the Bouchard mm-hmm. mistake. Uh, to me, I think it's the second goal that is the microcosm of their season because they their defensive zone coverage off the rush is soft. And not only that, but if you make a mistake like that, which any team will over the course of even a quarter of the season or a 10-game stretch multiple times, could you just get a stop for one time? Could you just get a save? Is it that much to ask? And it's both those things. Connor McDavid called it death by a thousand cuts, but it's the poor defensive zone play, then not getting picked up by your goalie. 
none of these things, they're always part and parcel. They're always hand in hand. And that part is really tough to figure that you couldn't have something along that line break the chain. Frank Saravalli, Daily Faceoff, with us on Sports 1440. When you saw Jay Woodcroft get tossed, what went through your mind of, I guess, the dynamic of those few minutes? And after the game, he did say, you know what, I didn't say much. I don't know how many, I, I don't know too many guys that get tossed. They were trying to control off. things. They were trying to control things. That's what they're doing, Frank. They, they, they are, but they're also operating under an edict from the NHL. All the coaches and general managers in the league were brought together in Chicago in a meeting right before training camp started, and they were given a stern warning by Commissioner Gary Bettman, act out and we will fine you, we will okay. toss you. Here's my issue with that. One, referees, I think, do a really good job. They have a tough skin. They have tough skin. I think they're really good at that. They take a lot of abuse and there's a lot of give and take. And if you're a really good official, what you'll do is in conversation with, you know, the coach, the captain, whoever it might be, you'll acknowledge that you think you might have missed it. And in this case, I think what was disappointing is at least according to Jay Woodcroft, and and I have to take him at his word because I've never known him to be anything but honest, Mm -hmm. if there's no profanity-laced tirade in there and the referee is skating by and he's got rabbit ears and and you're still getting chirped for a call, like you've got to have thicker skin than that. And I, I get the NHL's idea of tossing coaches or fining coaches if they're demonstrable, if there is a stoppage and the camera is zoomed in on it and the coach is absolutely giving it to the mm-hmm. official, I think it's important for the league to set a proper example for all levels of the sport. But in this case, mid-play and halting play to give a coach a bench minor, which hurts the team and the game misconduct, I thought was over the top. Frank Cervelli with us on Sports 1440. I want to switch gears because we've been giving it to the Oilers for an hour and a half here, Frank. Uh, you had a kind of a busy week again in the one uh, article and the one uh, interview that caught my eye was the one you had with Zach Cassian. Can you kind of run through the former Oilers decision to retire? And looking back, I mean, I think in the interview you said, you know, his best years were in Edmonton, that he enjoyed hockey because he had so many things going on with him off the ice. Yeah, it was no doubt the best years of his career in Edmonton. And I love the conversation because Zach Cassian is one of those guys that doesn't leave you guessing. He tells it exactly like it is and warts and all, including his time, you know, going through rehab, getting his last chance as an NHL player, the trade from Montreal to Edmonton and, you know, sort of exiting rehab and joining the Oilers, it's not an easy thing to do knowing that you're down to your last chance or Mm -hmm. your last strike in the NHL. He's got an interesting life. I don't know how much everyone knows about Zach Cassian, but his dad died of a heart attack at age eight, and he was essentially raised by his mom and his older brother. And his brother was always telling him, look, hockey's the easy part. You got to get your head screwed on straight. You got to have, you know, some, some discipline and attention to detail in what you do because you're going to let this opportunity slip by. And I remember interviewing him in New Jersey sometime, I think it was around 2018 or 19. And he had talked about his four years of sobriety then mm-hmm. how, you know, positive that was of an influence for him, how much his life had changed found himself on a line with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, amazing enough to think about now, under Dave Tibbet. 
scores 15 goals in back-to-back seasons a great story and then he gets this contract that goes he goes from being like a fan favorite in Edmonton to someone that um really did couldn't live up to the contract and turns out in conversation with him it's not so much the play that was an issue it's that he was never really quite the same again after getting knocked out cold in a preseason fight against Zach McEwen Mm -hmm. against the Canucks. And to hear him explain why you're not really ever able to be that same guy again, because in the back of your head, you're always worried about what if that happens again? What if I'm not so lucky next time I've got kids? I think that's kind of a conversation that any parent could relate to. So um, if you get a chance, it's on the Frankly Speaking podcast and – Always enjoy my time with Zach Cassian. It was very good, Frank. Uh, not just saying that because you come on here twice a week, but what about, you know, because we never, uh, players are so tough. He didn't really bring that up at all with Zach McEwen. It was just at a time where, because if he does, then he's, he kind of He's is, labeled as soft. He's showing his, you know, his softer side. So as a tough guy, you can't do that. And he never did. And that probably ate away at him because he wasn't able to. he kept fighting after that. He did, but he couldn't probably do the job that he wanted to do. Especially as a player, because that's the one thing you're, not fight, but to be in the mix and be tough, that's the one thing you're tasked with doing. That's why you make the money that you make. Remember it was Dave Tippett who said he keeps the flies off of 29 and 97. Mm -hmm. If you're not bringing that to the rink, what are you bringing? And that's what he struggled with. But I think he also understood the fan perspective of like, hey, this is a salary cap era. You're viewed in the fan base much in the same way Darnell Nurse is viewed almost solely by his cap hit. If his cap hit was six, seven, five, or seven, I don't think anyone says boo about Darnell Nurse mm-hmm. at any point. But since it is what it is, that's sort of what drives the narrative and conversation now. And he fully recognizes it. But at the same time, it's a life-changing $12.8 million deal. Yeah. He's not going to apologize for no. that. And the current Oilers could use a player like that or two to keep some flies off 29 and 97 moving forward here. Frank Saravalli. You don't want 97 dragging himself into the fight like he did last night. Well, he was one of the few guys that mixed it up after. But again, the response wasn't enough, Frank, last night. It wasn't enough. If you had guys like Zach Cassian at his best, there would have been a more, more of a response, more of an answer. And I don't think we need guys plural <clears throat> to me, when I look at the Oilers roster construction, you just need one guy that does something a little bit different, brings you some edge, especially in your bottom six, when it's proven that these guys don't have to make an arm and a leg. Sub one of those guys out for one of the, you know, all of the other guys that look exactly the same in your bottom six. Clean Costin. How's that sound? I mean, he, he would work. He mm-hmm. played physical with an edge, shot the puck like... That would be a step in the right direction is what I would say. Yeah, but he played his way out here. You know, they couldn't afford him after a good season last year. That's the problem. That's the that's the best part about coming to Edmonton is you get an <laughs> opportunity and you make the most of it, people are going to see it. What else is shaking for you this week, Frank, NHL-wise? Uh, keeping an eye on Patrick Kane and what's happening next with his uh, sweepstakes here as he continues his rehab. Uh, monitoring the Carolina Hurricanes and their goaltending situation. And they're right sandwiched in between the Oilers and the Sharks in save percentage this year. And we know Yaroslav Halak joined the team on a PTO yesterday. Um, Also keeping a close eye on the Oilers, if I'm going to be honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is there any fallout? Are there any changes that come from this disastrous 2-8-1 start? 
Is there a goalie out there that can help the Oilers? I mean, that's a, I that's think a legitimate I, trade, like a real, like a trade that works, not a fairy dust one. I don't know, and that's why for, if you're talking, you know, purely fairly fairy dust, what I would say is find a way to bring up Calvin Pickard to see if he can <laughs> spell your team for two weeks. I don't think he's any sort of a long term answer, but if he can help you get. Two wins, three wins. Look how well he's playing in Baco. I mean, that to me is he's got plenty of NHL experience, 116 games played. He makes the league minimum. I, I don't I don't know why you wouldn't try it. It's a short flight to San Jose, isn't it, Frank? Uh, you might even be able to drive. Maybe. Appreciate your time, Frank. We will check in with you on Thursday. Thanks for coming on again. Hopefully we'll have some more news between now and then. <laughs> and then it's the Sharks on Thursday. Well, it'll be news. You maybe want to come on Friday. <laughs> maybe I'll do both. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Appreciate it. Okay. All right. That's our headliner of the day brought to you by Mr. Reuter. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrreuter.ca. As you can imagine, about 27,000 texts coming in. one 401 But if you want to call us, give us a ring. Same number. one 401 1440. Duke, I got to throw this one at you. Does Gibson still want out, out of Anaheim? What would it take to get him and send Campbell the other way? <laughs> A lot. Like, no. Why would anyone want Jack Campbell right now with the $5 million cap? What's Gibson? 6.5? 6, 6.5? 6.4 off the top of my head, I think. Uh, a very short answer to this question. There hasn't been any word, and that actually might we if that text had come in a minute or two sooner, maybe could have threw it at Frank since he was um, the initial report that Gibson did want out of Anaheim. But I think the Oilers' issue in that realm right now is that you are dealing from such a massive position of weakness because, A, you would need Anaheim to retain salary on Gibson, who has uh, more than a couple mm-hmm. years remaining on the deal. Um Take Campbell at full hit and then pay the price for him as well. And he's had a pretty, like, he hasn't been uh, the Gibson of uh, a handful of years no. ago, per se, but he's had a decent start to the year, missed a couple games due to injury. I would certainly think Anaheim would still be interested in moving him out. Lucas DeStall is coming. He was the rookie of the month in October. Uh, between that and his games last season, one of which was beating Edmonton, uh, he kind of looks like ready to take the next level. And if you bring Jack Campbell back to kind of platoon with him for, what we talked about it a bit yesterday. They're a plucky team. Are they probably going to be in the mix come uh, March or February even still? I, I would think not. And so they they might still be like Pat Verbeek might be willing to uh, you know do some wheeling and dealing in order to um, set his team up for the next couple of years where they are looking like they might be very very competitive. So I, I don't know if Gibson still wants out. If nah. all of a sudden he looks in the teams more four com- more years, he's got it six point four right. But who's, Cam- who's willing to retain half of a salary for four more years? That's when the Ducks want to be competitive again. But again, why do you want Jack Campbell? Oh, 100%. That, like, that's that's what you I mean. Know, like, the Oilers are, just- are from such a position of weakness right now with either goaltender that you are going to be paying an arm and a leg, which a lot of fans might think it's worth it. Well, we had the one caller say <laughs> trade every draft pick you can to make this happen. But draft picks don't make the salary cap work. You still have to have money in, money out. Um, and if you're acquiring a top-tier goalie, guess what? It's probably going to come with a pretty decent chunk of change uh, attached to it. Tons of calls coming in, plus our texts. We'll get to some of those right after the break. Kevin Carey Show returns on Sports 1440 in a couple of minutes. 
All right, welcome back to the big program. Boy, not even a BA song can put a smile on the face of everyone in town, Duke. I don't know how we can do it. How are we going to get through? Send us a, a call at one 401 Calls coming in, texts coming in. Grant Fear will join us at the top of the hour with Kelly Chase. Should be an interesting conversation. A uh, time uh, to treat this season as lost and sit under performers. I'd rather see five D-men and... Caravan Ragger, then one guy who doesn't know, uh, da, 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 looking to hit bonus points. Uh, sorry, I didn't get a name on that one, but Saski Oilers fan. Gibson is wishful thinking, unfortunately. Absolutely no chance. None, Saski Oilers fan. Uh, while the talk about Campbell, Skinner was bad in the playoffs. Skinner's been just as bad as Campbell this year. He should be taking just as much heat as Soupy is. Ranting Rob. Come on, guys. Vegas, one with a third string goalie, third line goalie, right? Now, any other goalie for the Oilers won't look good with the current D. Ranting Rob Kevlar's going, could we get Grubar out of Seattle? Why does Seattle... Again, whenever people want to propose these trades, I understand that you want to say, okay, maybe this guy's a good fit, maybe this guy. But why is... The first question you should ask, why does the other team want to trade this player? Why? They're, they're trying to win the trade as well. They're trying to beef up their team. They're trying to better their team. Nine times out of ten, any proposed trade is so lopsided, so out there, it'll never happen. Rockford, Campbell, a first-rounder for Mackenzie Blackwood. (laughs) Wesley Snipes, maybe Bugstead might help. You know, there's another one here, too. You know, think about this, Duke. Everyone keeps saying it's the same team as last year, same team as last year. Minus Bugstead, minus Clem Costin. Those are two pretty big parts in the size department, physicality, maybe maybe not Bugstead in the retribution department, but you saw Clem Costin stick up for his teammates a lot last year. I think they missed that angle, that affordability to have that. Your thoughts on the not having Costin here, Duke? What both of those guys provide in your bottom six is also a scoring touch. Like, like they have the ability to put the puck in the net. And, and I'm not saying that the, the current bottom six doesn't possess that ability, but they certainly haven't shown it through the first 10 games of the season. But the, the physicality and the size factor is, I think, the biggest thing because going back to your conversation with Speck, with Brownie off the top of the show, when the game uh, kind of breaks down to what it was in the final 10 minutes last night, Having guys like that that you feel confident putting on the ice to uh, whether it be with McDavid on his flank as uh, who knows, you're still trying to, you know, keep the game competitive, but Mm -hmm. protecting your stars and having players that might actually, like you said, take some retribution when extra shots are thrown. Those guys are invaluable. And I know they priced themselves out of town partially because of how they played. They were very good for the most part for the others, particularly Bukestad, I thought. But it all goes back to this point about whether it's acquiring a goaltender, bringing in a different defenseman. The numbers have to add up against the salary cap. And right now, we all know how hard up the Oilers are against it. So if you're figuring these things out and trying to think about trades to make, players we should have kept, tell me how the money makes sense to make all that happen. Text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty, and probably... Even though over the course of the last couple of months, we've said that we get a lot of texts in, especially when the Oilers lose. Today's been the most by far. So thanks for everybody being a part of our show. 
Get Kemper out of Washington. They're going off the rails and may need to do a rebuild of some type. That comes from Sean. Hawes, if the Oilers brass doesn't do something soon, we may be looking at a Patrick Waugh situation with McDavid and Dry walking by Holland and whispering in his ear, trade me, I'm done. Why have we not heard anything from Ken Holland? They kept showing his face on the broadcast last night. HVAC Nick wanted Olivier Rodrigue up and Jesper Wallstead would have been a great move about now. Too bad we traded down and passed on him. Bring on, Gle- bring up Gleason and Rodrigue. It can't hurt at this point. Uh, Sean also reminds Kevin and no Yamamoto. That comes from Sean. So those are three pieces that are different from last year because everyone has been saying, you've heard it a lot, that it is the same team. A lot of different pieces for sure. Hamptons Steve. Morning, Kevin. The only realistic way to trade Campbell is for another struggling goalie who could also use a change of scenery. Uh, the only goalie I can think of is Darcy Kemper. However, I think the Oilers would still need to include picks and prospects to get the deal done. Not sure how much of an upgrade that would be. Nobody likes Dustin Schwartz. Nobody. Ten years of mediocre goaltending. Why is no one talking about Dustin Schwartz? Send us an email, one 833 We got about five more minutes if you want to get a call in uh, before we get to Grant Fear and Kelly Chase in the 9 o'clock hour. From Samson, even with Costin and Bukestad, the Oilers were not good defensively in the playoffs. LA took them to Game 7 in Vegas, massively outscored them. Their goalies are not good enough. Collins says, can't afford these trades people are talking about. Campbell to the AHL to get his game back. Bring up Pickard. Comes from Colin. Costin and Bucky, Bucky or only or Bukestad, I guess, only came late in the season. Not an excuse. I think that we read that right. We should have kept Costin and not re-signed Ryan and Yanmark. Comes from Big Mac. That is a fair comment because the numbers are approximately... With the two deals, approximately the same, I think. About $2 million for both of them, and I think Costin's in the $2 million range too. This Oilers team struggled last year. Skinner came in right at the ship. It needs to happen again. Well, he's going to have to do something here. Hey, Playbook Vic. Playbook Vic has checked in. Woo! The team is going through this, doesn't uh, have me in a sour mood. The only thing that upsets me is that the fans always thinking a new player or a new coach or a new goalie or a new GM will fix this. Newsflash, this team is constructed right now, is capable of winning the cup. Hang on here. The the struggle they are going through right now is just part of the team's maturation process. Maturation process. The answer is in the room. Whew. Hey, Kevin, this is from Ron. How is it possible for almost the same team as last year to be so bad in 2023? Easy answers. One, poor team defensive plays, poor goaltending, a soft coach who doesn't hold his players accountable. Can't hurt to call up Pickard. Any goalie is better than what we have right now. I'm sure a call up has turned around a team. Send Campbell to the American Hockey League. Rockford goes, is in Montreal trying to shake a goalie out. Jake Allen looks pretty good. Jeff from Red Deer. Morning, Kevin. Oilers need to stop pinching strong side D-man. It fails 70% of the time. (laughs) 
There's a good comment. Costin has zero points. Is playing five minutes a game. Not having him isn't the problem. Whew, we're getting through a lot here, Duke. Where does we? Detroit sit in the current standings of the Eastern Conference? A little bit better, yeah. A yeah. little bit better. I don't know if he's... Is he playing five minutes a game really in Detroit? Is that 100% true, Duke? I know you probably... I can check too. Let me, uh, let me confirm this stat for you. <laughs> let me, uh, give me a second here. <laughs> Should have traded McLeod. Kept clean. If Campbell was picked off waivers, please, please happen. That would take his cap hit away. Yes, well, there is... N- if you can find me one team, just find any team. There is not one team that would even think about that. Not even there. It's not even in the in the discussion. Not even close. Did Seven, you figure out seven fifty nine? Hey, uh, aver- eight minutes. That's three minutes time more. On ice for Klim uh, Costin with the zeros across the board. Just nine games played and a minus three. Hmm. Nine. So pins. maybe his finding his way still in Detroit. That was an interesting trade. Basically, they wanted to get rid of, you know, they, it was Kyler Yamamoto and Clem Costin. Kevlar says, missing Tyson Berry. Trade Dustin, sorry, trade, trade Skinner and picks for Swayman or Allen to be the starter. Money would work with a bunch of retention. Barry Campbell in the minors. Call up Picker to back up. Sylvan Lake J. Fire Dustin Schwartz. Don't call up a goalie. We'll ruin him from Daryl. Boy, you know, Dustin Schwartz. Have you seen a guy that's a goalie coach get it this much, Duke, as far as, you know, you never see. I'm just trying to think in other sports, maybe Canada and Pittsburgh, you know, for the Steelers, he gets a lot with, you know, when you're not, when you're looking outside of the box of the head coach and Canada was getting it so bad, it was at a Pittsburgh Penguins game. They were yelling fire Canada, uh, you know, in the, in the whole big picture of the Oilers coaching staff, I don't think I can recall a goaltending coach get it from fans as much as Dustin Schwartz is getting it. Do you, I, I don't know if that's, if that's, I think a lot is warranted. There's there's no way that he can't come out of this unscathed, but he's getting it a lot. He's getting more than anyone else. He's getting more than Woodcroft. It, it's certainly close, and it, it basically comes down to a point of follow the, the heat and you'll find the flame. What's the Wheeler's biggest issue right now? Seemingly goaltending, uh, you know, up to your personal opinion, whether it's that or the defensive structure, because there's still more than enough text, de- not necessarily defending the goaltending, but saying that they are not the root of the Oilers' problem. I'll hear that argument, but if you are in the camp that you believe goaltending is the main issue, which last night I 100% believe it was, then where do you trace that back to? The head coach has very little interaction with the goaltenders, particularly on a day-to-day basis. That's the goaltending coach. And so the the heat on Dustin Schwartz right now is, is definitely warranted. How can it not be? Texture wants to know, name another Oilers goaltending coach. Well, there's quite a few. Sylvain Rodrigue which is Olivia Rodriguez's dad. Pete Peters was the Oilers goaltending coach back in 06. That's just off the top of my head. What is Mike Smith up to? Everyone would be in love with his 905 now. 
he was never the problem. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, we are going to talk to one of the best in business, one of the all-time greats in goal. Grant Fuhr will guest with us, our co-host, every Wednesday from 9 to 11. Also, it'll be interesting to have Kelly Chase on, and we're going to give Kelly a little wake-up call. Remember that, Duke. Uh, one other thing, Duke, I had I got papers everywhere. Do we have a liner here for the thing? We do not. So uh, when we come back, Grant Fear, Kelly Chase in the 9 o'clock hour. Stay with us. Lots to talk about Oilers and everything else on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. But here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update right off the hop.